Hey everybody, welcome back to You're Wrong. This week, uh, as we mentioned on the last podcast, we're going to try a slightly different format. Um, we've heard from none of you currently uh, <laughs> about all of our conversations, and we don't think you're getting how wrong you are. So, so we're going to get into things in a lot more detail, just to really nail down that nail that home. So, so with that in mind, uh, Luciano, what's the first thing that people really need to know about? Well, Matt, I mean, we've been talking about this on and off for a while, and we try to get away from it, but we don't seem to be able to because people are just so wrong about it that I feel like it's like it's bubbling out of us. So I, I thought we would start by talking about how wrong people are about Star Wars, specifically yeah. Disney Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if... I think we all can agree that the first three Star Wars movies are great. The second three Star Wars movies, there's, it is what it is. But the Disney stuff is very interesting. Yeah, because, like, okay, so everybody has rose-tinted Okay, every old nerd like us has rose-tinted glasses when we look back at the original trilogy, right? It was yes. great. Um, a lot of it we we overlook because nostalgia... Also, it's the the times. I mean, some of the stuff they just did what they had to do. To oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and obviously, nobody would ever say. Well, at least I would never say those movies are perfect. But they're really, really good movies, especially like you said for the time, right? And then we they have. Are, the... yeah. Go ahead. They're just super. They're just super fun. Yeah, and they were new, right? Like this is a something that was something that was not something that was done before. Yeah. Okay, we're getting off topic already. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. And then we had the prequels, and we thought that nothing could suck more, as far as Star Wars goes, than the prequels. And then Disney said, "Hold my beer," because well, I mean, not all of it. I know. See, like, I don't want to, you know, spoil alert everything here, but Disney is a real mixed bag, um, and and some of it was better than than the prequels, and some of it was. The worst Star Wars movie ever made. But anyways, um, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert this to anybody. So I'll let you continue. Well, I mean, that's a good that's a good thing to mention as well. Obviously, we are going to go deep into some of these stories. So obviously, if you haven't watched those movies or those TV series or whatever it is that we're talking about, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil these to hell and back. It's um, time, people. Yeah. So I, I think... The way to go about this is instead of trying to cram, you know, let's talk about Star Wars after Disney took over in a single episode, which would be insanity. Um, let's really dissect what they've done. Um, and we're tr we're going slight, not entirely, but kind of chronologically, at least or chronologically within, you know, the the, the franchise and not not chronologically as they was they were released necessarily. Yeah. Um, and at least for the movies. And so let's let's really dissect what they've done with the franchise that they bought from from George Lucas for was it four billion dollars? Yeah, that's I don't know. After you get past like ten million, <laughs> who the fuck knows how numbers works? For it's just people. zeros. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with Solo. Let's start with you know Han Solo's origin story. Sure. Yeah, that's, so that's that is first in the the Star Wars chronological order. I think for movies at least. I, I yeah yeah for Disney yeah yeah for Mandalorian sits somewhere later. So 
should be fine. Uh, the, the Mandalorian is um, after the two standalones, but before the three new ones. Okay. Yeah. So that that one we're probably going to tackle later. But let's okay. Let's yeah. let's get started. So yeah. Let's let's try and be not ourselves and have some sort of a structure to this conversation. How? What do you think about that? Does that sound good? I hate it already, but um, <laughs> we can try it. All right. So I thought I would give you my take on this movie, and then you can give me your wrong take on this movie, and we can debate following that. Oof. All right. I so I'll start. Love a good debate. So yeah, yes. fire it off. I'll start. So. This is my first, I don't think it's a hot take, really, but I'll say it, it's a hot take. This movie was unnecessary, or telling this story was unnecessary, at least in the format that it was told. I don't think we needed to see Han Solo as a bumbling idiot, as this, this is exactly what he was in this movie. Um, and I don't think it needed to be told in a movie format. I think it would have been a much better thing to have maybe a series about Han Solo before joining the Alliance, the Rebel Alliance, and then flash back into his origins rather than showing the story as it was told. So my take on this is this movie was doomed to failure because it was a story that was better left shrouded in mystery than having a light shown on it. And on top of that, I thought some of the casting choices were odd, especially Han, and I'll get to, to that later when we're debating. And otherwise, as a movie, this is something I have a problem with in other franchises too. If, if this was just a regular space opera action movie, it would have been all right. But as a Han Solo origin story set in the Star Wars universe, it's not a good movie. I like, you know... We will give our ratings later, but I don't like if someone asked me, would you recommend someone to watch this movie? And I would ask, are you a Star Wars fan or not? And whatever they said, I would still say no. <laughs> wow. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you've given away your number based on how you've constructed that. No, argument. you're going to be surprised, I think. But um, I mean, you won't because we've talked about this enough, but you know, sure. let's, let's, let's pretend you will. Our adoring fans will be surprised. Uh, yes. I, I think the, the saying is, um, listen, st stick around and listen to the end because you won't believe oh, the score no. that Cobra gives to the Solo, The day we stoop to clickbaity titles is the day I'm going to off myself. Well, listen, there's no click for this, so they're just going to have to stick around and listen. Um, since I've derailed that, I'm going to take over and give my thoughts on the movie. Go for it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, having watched it the second time and actually paid attention, again, I obviously paid attention the first time. Um, it is an interesting movie. It is a movie that has two parts. It has the, everything up to the point where they are successful in the heist off of, of the unrefined coaxium. Mm -hmm. And then it has everything after they try to turn the coaxium over to Paul Bettany, whose character's name I just, I just didn't bother remembering everybody's character names. Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Thank you. That second half of the movie did not need to exist. It, it didn't make sense. Like, like they tried to foreshadow it, but it's just, I don't like all it was, it was tacked on because by the end of this movie, you had to believe that Han or sorry, Han. I've oh, got, God. I've got the, the fast and the furious Han Han. No, it is Han. 
don't know, man. And they Han. call him Han, and he complains. Like, Lando calls him Han, and he complains about it. Okay. So, Tan, good. Yeah. Make it easier for me. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, they had to, like, it's like they had to give you the entire picture of Han by the end of this movie while also doing things that set up a sequel for reasons I don't quite understand. And so, up until they made that second part of the story, it was an all right movie. You know, there were some good parts. There were some bad parts, but it was okay. And then after that, I'm just like, what is all this? Like, like obviously there's people trying to steal from them. Great. But they're freedom fighters. Oh, and they're connected to the rebellion. And this is fuel for the rebellion. You should join the rebellion. But also I'm going to mention Jabba here. It just didn't need to exist. Like you can tell a guy's origin story without like, con- like drawing every single connection to his, his character by the time uh, a new hope hits. Yeah. Yeah, I and and I'll let you finish, but like that's a lot of the problems I have with the movie too. Like that, oh look, 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 a reference. Like I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so like for me, like it was an okay movie. It was an okay Star Wars movie. I wouldn't say don't definitely don't watch this. I would say you gotta love Star Wars a lot to want to watch this. I mean, I think you're wrong. But then you, we wouldn't be here if I didn't. Sure, maybe you should go ahead and tell me. You're wrong. Bye, guys. See you next week. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, like, I don't... Like I said, I think this is unnecessary. I want to preface what I'm going to say here with the fact that I'm not the biggest Han fan. Like, I like the character, obviously, because it's, you know, it's a Star Wars character, uh, an iconic one. But yep. growing up, I was surrounded by, like, super Han fans. And they were like, oh, it's so cool. He's suave and he's like a smuggler. I'm like, in my head, I'm like going, what? Why would you want to be a normie with a blaster when you could be a literal space samurai with a laser sword? But like, sure, let's go with it, right? Yeah. Even me as not a huge, massive Han fan, I don't need to see a, a character that is that... Uh, like let's let's use suave again suave and confident and and like on top of things being the bumbling fucking idiot he is in this movie and and it's obvious that he needs to be like he doesn't he didn't start off his life as a as a cool sort of in control dude like he didn't come out of the womb saying hello mother um uh, you know i'm gonna shoot first or whatever yeah he learned that on the streets of Corellia. pay attention so that's fine, but like, and this is another thing um, that I th- I don't know if this was pro- a problem with the writing or if it was a problem with the actor that they chose, but like, to me, co- his personality is completely off. Completely off. So, I 7.5% agree with you. Or sorry, 75% agree with oh, you. Okay, so that's, going- that's better. <laughs> I, I was going for like, a seven out of ten scale, and I flipped it at the last second to percentage, so it got real confusing. Three quarters of the way agree with you. Um, some of the stuff I think they're they're trapped at the idea that he's not he's not Han Solo yet, so they want to show where he came from, and so some of that confidence shines through because obviously, Han, like to be to get to where he is, he's going to be a little cocky and you know maybe find his boundaries. So it's like a little bit a little bit of it's okay. Um, for me, it's like, and and we might get to this later. We might get to it now. But um, 
when you talk about Lando, right? Um, and you talk about the difference between, um, we really should look up these actors' names, but Han, like, uh, Donald Glover and uh, what's his name? I don't remember his name. Yeah, it's, we, it's almost like we should look this look this up before we have a, <laughs> a, a podcast, so we can actually speak to some of these things. Uh, Al, uh, Alden Aaron Reich. Yeah, that's probably pretty close. Oh, I mean Han. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and I don't like Don Glover. Just seemed like he really spent some time learning Lando's mannerisms and figuring out who Lando was and how he moved. And like, I know it sounds nitpicky, but that's what we do here. And but it's also like if you're gonna play a character who has already played, you gotta do more than kind of look like him. You gotta like be him. And he just struggled with like the mannerisms, like. Han Solo is like, he is cocky and he did make bets that failed, but he's not, to your point, suave cocky. He's like, smug cocky. snake. He's smug, yeah. Solid yeah. snake cocky. And, <laughs> Solid snake cocky. I'm going to use that in the future. <laughs> please. But it's like, and so like, he, he doesn't come across as like, so by the end of the movie, you're not sure like, why did he become Solid Snake version and not just like you know happy-go-lucky smug what happened to him and like like the kira thing to me just doesn't seem like it's it and that's yeah. a whole we'll get into that i don't want to jump around too much we'll get into that so he just struggled being being a believable han solo and it may have been his acting but it may also have been the storyline but it just for me it kind of took me out of it yeah i i agree and and i was i'm just gonna come out and say that i know this is not a huge controversy Lando and L337, which is actually a voice I didn't know by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of uh, Fleabag and uh, Killing Eve, I think is the name of the... Yeah, that I still have to watch. They Those two are the best thing about this movie by a large margin. Like, they're just great in their roles. They, they're funny when they need to be funny. They're, you know... It's not forced funny. It's not, like... They don't try to put a lot of gravitas on it, but there doesn't need to be gravitas. On it. It's great. That's the best part of this movie for me by far. That's, I also have that too. And I have like a specific note. We wrote notes. This is how detailed we are because we rewatched this recently. Um, and the notes I kind of wrote about this was like, Lando's much better. He's doing a better job at modeling his, uh, modeling his mannerisms. Um, and then L3 is great. That's all I had. And and when I was watching it, I, the one thing I noticed a lot was L3 is not in this movie very long. <laughs> I didn't oh, realize unfortunately, how, yeah. how short yeah. it was. And I was kind of like, damn, I would have liked to see more. And this is a bit of a jump off. I don't want, we'll come back to it maybe later, but like, I don't understand why they put L3 into the Falcon and why, like, because it, it's really odd that no one ever mentions L3 ever. in like, you know, the original three Star Wars movies, if, if this is how, what happened. Yeah, right. and, and that's the, the danger of building a prequel. You know, you would have thought that Disney would have taken a, a le learned a lesson from the way that, that George Lucas did his prequels, right? Because yeah. you, you're, and this is another part of the problem with the story is, you know, there are a lot of foregone conclusions there just because, you know, those characters exist in the future. So, like, we know Han's not going to die. We know Chewie's not going to die. Everybody else is fair game or Lando is not going to die either mm -hmm. and ev everybody else is fair game <clears throat> and yet we don't care a lot about those other characters 
At least I didn't. And like the L3 thing, I had this written down too, is like, how come something this iconic really isn't ever mentioned again? I mean, why? Because they came up with the fucking idea now, not, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm right there with you. This this is a weird thing to never mention again. Yeah. You you shouldn't choose things that make your existing stories seem weird. That's That should be like rule number maybe at least one or five somewhere in that range when you do <laughs> when you do like you do a prequel yeah and, and to me like so kira is is an, a, a, a character that was very inconsistent to me throughout this movie it starts she starts as like the sidekick to han's shenanigans kinda and then you know they get separated at the the port when they're trying to flee yep. and the, apparently there are com- two com- or a comic and a, and a cartoon or two comics that, that kind of detail her life between, you know, the, the, the points where we see her in the movie. I could not think of anything that I w- would be less interested in, in star Wars than reading about fucking Kira's backstory. <laughs> yet here we are. Yeah. And apparently she became, like the head girl of the white worms. Did you even know that that's what they were called? I didn't. Who's the white worms? The Lady Proxima's crew or whatever gang. That's what they're mm-hmm. called. Nope. White worms. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And and so then she was sold as a slave, and that's like Dryden bought her, and then she he taught her that uh, Terra's Kisley, whatever the the martial art is. Yeah. And a ter- terrorist, whatever. And then that's how, like, when we see her, that's what happened with her. And so, one, tell me the fucking story during the movie. Like, I don't want to have to go do research as a viewer to understand what happened with her. And so, to me, watching the movie before reading about this, she was very inconsistent. At, at first, she was, like, basically arm candy for him, let's be honest here. Like, she didn't do anything when they were in Corellia. Well, she was a plot device. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's true. And then she became this badass, which is, I'm I'm all for, you know, characters evolving and becoming badasses in their own right. Like, show it to me in the story, right? And I'm just going to come out and say another thing. I don't think Amelia Clark is a good actress. <laughs> Sorry. I agree with you. That scene where she chucks grenades on oh. onto... It's so forced and so out of character and like that. Yeah, I, that was just a bad thing altogether. I don't like to pick on things that don't ma- matter, but I feel like when you're making a movie. Um, so it, you got to make it believable. And if Amelia Clark, uh, sorry, Kira is probably better to put it as. If Kira yeah. is is someone who's who's grown into being a badass, like could you throw properly? I know it's a picky thing, but like if you're Oh no, it's not. It's not a picky thing, I don't think. <clears throat> yeah. And and so it's just it kind of it just it just looks weird, right? When you're watching it, it's like, well that's weird. And 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 I know we're picking on but we're picking on this because not of this specifically, but it's it's the inconsistency of the, the character Kira. It's not that I don't believe if you tell me she's become a lady for the um Crimson Dawn, it's that she's also become a badass, but she doesn't really at no point portrays being a badass. She portrays being 
arm candy, even when they're on mission. And that's where I like, I get that maybe uh, Dryden Voss wants her as arm candy when she's there, but if she's on a mission and she is a badass, why wouldn't she at least carry herself like a badass, whether it's through clothes or just like the mannerisms, the way she talks, the way she engages with people. And instead of being submissive to everything. Or like looking scared all the time, which is what yeah. she does. And I, I, I'm certain that's just a choice in how the character was portrayed and acted, but I think it would have been more effective if, if she had have taken more charge in, in the mission instead of just being a plot device to, to like, if I think about the overall movie, the plot device of her, uh, I guess, I mean, sure. If you want to make it about him losing a girl, great. But like, why? Yeah. And it's like, it's the, the, the thing that gets to me with, with her as a character is the inconsistency, right? So let's forget about the time before Crimson Dawn. Let's say that there is enough of a, of a, of a character development that, that we don't see, but let's say that there is some, and, and then, okay, now she is the top lieutenant at Crimson Dawn. Fine. Then keep it consistent. So you get there, she's acting like the, you know, the high society, whatever passes for high society in Star Wars, but the high society thing, or she's like smooching with, with you know, smoozing with the, the, the high class people in the party and she yep. finds Han and she goes to talk to them with Dryden and then it's like there's this weirdly inappropriate dichotomy of her going back to being the way she was in Corellia when she's talking to Han and then turning on a dime and acting all high and mighty when she's talking to Beckett and then she looks scared half the time which makes sense because Dryden is crazy so that's <laughs> fine yep. he's also very two-dimensional and very exaggerated and i'm sure paul bettany had a blast chewing the oh, entire scenery yeah. over there but like unnecessary right and, and then they go into the mission together and she she acts like she goes back and forth between being the kira han nu and the kira that's now the crimson dawn lieutenant and there's like it you don't it's it's too contrasting for for me to be you know for me to believe in it and then she has this thing where she goes like oh she you know she fights and she you know takes down that that pike syndicate guy at uh castle and and she looks badass doing it kind of on the fight with dryden that's actually well choreographed fight and it looks really nice um the part that she takes in it but then she chucks grenades like, you know, she's throwing rocks with the wrong hand, basically. And she she tries to look like she's in her element, but she looks constantly scared or apprehensive. Even when, like, Han's dealing with Lando on the, on the Sabak game. Like, so I just don't believe, like, it stretches my suspension of disbelief to the breaking point. And this is going to be, I think... Um, a recurring theme in this episodes about suspension of disbelief being taken out back and shot, which is what happens for me. And so it just took me out of the whole story. Like I don't believe this woman is what she says at any point. Right. So, I think, I think yeah. to, to wrap this conversation up because we have more ground to cover and we're already running out of time. Like we always do. <laughs> it's, it's not that she has different sides to her and she, she shows growth is that when she decides to show those sides, 
they're inconsistent as to like why they're showing up, right? Like, yeah, I, I understand the way she acts with with Han in the beginning of the movie, fine. And then when we go to the ship with Dryden Voss, the his pleasure yacht or whatever we're gonna call it, when she sees him, she might switch back to old old Kira because that's how she was around him. But then as she gets into the room with Dryden Voss, as she gets on the mission with the guys, as she meets Lando, as all these things occur, her switches or how she reacts to things is like just weird. Yeah. Because she's standoffish with, with Han when they meet on the ship, but then when they're alone, they're making out like everything's fine again. But then she like betrays him at the end. And it's like Well, that betrayal at the end has some like I think it was meant to be, oh, I'm going to betray him to save his life because you know, if I've run away the way that things are, you know, Darth Maul, which is a completely unnecessary character to show, um, is gonna hunt us and kill us right. and this way I can protect I think that that was the intention which is sure. not something I caught the first time I watched the movie it, it doesn't come across obviously yeah yeah and, and it's kind of like sort of tacked, like you said that ending like the, the third act of the movie is completely like tacked on it doesn't it doesn't match the tenor of it so um, yeah, yeah I, I think we agree on that point so um, as we move down the things that happened I have some I just want to interject a couple of questions here because um, I saw some things that didn't quite make sense. And I'm wondering if you could help me clear them up. Um, <laughs> okay. Cause that, that's what I do. Yeah. I help. yeah. <laughs> so the first question is when Han meets Chewie in the movie, Chewie is a prisoner at this war camp. Um, and he's basically, they're feeding or using people like feeding people to him. And that's why he gets stumped into the brig, right? Like the, the general, the lieutenant's done with him, throw him into the guy, thing uh, with the monster. And then the two stormtroopers, or I guess they're not stormtroopers, they're just troopers. Yeah. Um, they're all like, oh, how fast do you think he's going to eat him? So my question for you is this. How many people has Chewbacca eaten? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really like the idea that Han basically saved himself from being eaten, if that's a thing that Wookiees do. Um, because he happened to speak a little bit of Wookiee, I like the randomness aspect of that and the fact that they meet each other at odds. But that's about the only good thing about that whole thing. Yeah. I I just don't think, like, it seemed like, I'm, and this is, <laughs> Laura actually noticed this when we were watching it, but like, she's like, a lot of the comedy is just quippy, quippiness right yeah i'm like yeah like it makes sense for some characters but not everybody and like like someone probably thought it was a quippy joke for the guys to say oh yeah throw him on the, with the monster and he'll eat them and like repeating the joke and it's like no but now you're in sitting there and chewbacca eats these people and and when you throw him in that cage there's nowhere that he those people go so chewbacca is just in there murdering and eating whoever the imperials threw in until one guy just happened to speak is it kashik i guess what would be called it's Wookiee. Or Wookiee? Wookiee, sure. yeah. Yeah. Like, it, that's just like a, a thing where it's like, you guys didn't think this through, did you? It's contrived, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's just, it was just like, how do we make them meet? Oh, I have an idea, and people just go, yeah, let's go with that. But let's talk about it. No, let's just go with that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny. They'll have a good laugh. Yeah. Um, next question, um, and I think, I think you'll enjoy this one because I think we talked about it previously. We see Han Solo get his dice, which apparently were an important thing. Oh, God. His ship. And 
at least his blaster were the three that I caught. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can count Chewbacca, but I'm not going to count Chewbacca. Chewbacca, like, yeah. Like, sure. Whatever. He got Chewbacca. Let's add our fourth. Uh, what I what bothers me about all of these is one, you don't have to do everything. So the idea that he's got a ship, he you lead him to to Chewbacca. Oh, they they solved the Kessel Parsec thing, which uh, you know what? At least you solved why he called it. You said he didn't listen. Whatever Parsecs, even though it's a measurement and a distance, I appreciate you. Solved <laughs> yes, <that>. yeah. <laughs> That's real deep nerd shit. But but it's like the dice. The dice don't mean anything to me, and. Yeah. And they don't even work as a a through plot device of like Han gives them to Kira, Kira gives them back to Han because I don't know why what those mean at all yeah. to anybody. So that's that's something. The literally the first note I made in the for when we were I was watching the movie again was at, and I wrote down uh, the the approximate time. It's like a minute and ten or so into the movie, and they showed the dice. And I really, really, yeah. I'll read it for you. Dice right at the start, <laughs> rolling eyes emoji. <laughs> because, and this is something I alluded to in, you know, earlier, the whole nostalgia thing. Like they, like you said, you don't have to tie every single thing together like neatly. And it's basically calling. It's it's a mix of appealing to nostalgia plus calling the audience idiots. That's how I feel. So it's like. Chewbacca. Well, I'm not gonna say that all the time. We're gonna have to find something short. Like, really? Did you really need to explain why he calls him Chewy? Why? Yeah. yeah. It's just an like a nickname is such an obvious thing. Like, I would you rather they have. have... Go, ahead, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say you could just rather you could just have him say like start calling him Chewy for no reason. Like, which, it doesn't matter. which he did. Like, if you yeah. cut that line from the movie, nothing would have been missed, except my ire. My ire would have been missed. Yeah, and that's fair. It w- I would much rather have them say, oh, you know, what's your name when he's in the, at the port? Like, Han, right? What's your name? Oh, my name is Hanabambarakarambara. And like, okay, that, fuck that shit. Let's just call you Han. That would have been better because it would have been a surprise rather than, oh, Chewbacca is too long. First of all, it's not. Like, the names that in Star Wars are insane and Chewbacca is actually one of the least insane ones first of all yeah super easy i just said kashik and it's like three what it has three y's in it yeah <laughs> yeah so chewbacca is doing great yeah so and so and this is to me there's there's a lot of that you know failing the whole show don't tell thing so like when when kira says oh i'm probably the only person in the universe or in the galaxy that knows you you're the good guy and I, I was like watching that part. I was like, guys, we all understand chaotic good. You don't have to explain it to us every time. Well, it's also like, it's not patronizing or matronizing, but it's like. It is very condescending. Very. Yeah, so it's like, because that's what happens to him at in, in the Star Wars movies when he comes back and saves Luke. And I don't, I think, I don't have to lay it, but someone basically says the same thing to him. It's like. And, and there it's impactful and meaningful because we don't know him and he just seems like a selfless person. But here it just is like, like it's solving everything. Like you're making Han Solo complete after one movie. And it's just like, you don't, I don't need you to do that. Like, you don't have to tell me he's a good guy. Let him just like, let him do whatever. Like and forcing know. him to be the good guy here. And like, I don't know why he was the good guy here. Like, I'm really not hundred percent sure why he did that because nothing else he did before that was 
was for anybody but himself. Yeah, it was self uh, selfish all the time. Yeah. So yeah. why all of a sudden is he self selfless in this one point? Yeah, he doesn't even get on the girl. She yeah. goes along with him. Yeah. And like, I like the idea of you know Amphis Nest and the Cloud Riders being sort of like the proto proto rebel alliance. It's a very Star Wars thing to have, you know, that switcheroo kind of thing. Is 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 a very Star Wars thing to do. But at the same time, it was very contrived. Well, there's a lot of this in this movie is contrived, right? And there's a lot of like, for example, you know, he he tries to get into Beckett's crew by saying, "Oh, I'm a great pilot," and then Rio says, "You know, hey, you're you're a good pilot." Blah blah blah. And then Rio gets shot, and he goes, "Yeah, you were right, kid. You're on hell of a pilot. Why? Because he's kept the." ship steady like you know what i mean it's so forced like look 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 he's 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 a good pilot look 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 yeah he's a good guy you can't just let him do it and us see it you have to tell us it's happening and it's just unnecessary yeah and and going on with the the same sort of like trying to tie things together when when you know they're at uh i don't remember the name of the planet where they're going to refine the coaxium and, sorry, just, just so we're clear here, you're, you're done with my questions? I guess so. I, I had more. I had one, one other question. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, 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 Sorry. When they go through the to the maw, <laughs> what what was that squid kraken's life plan there? Oh, that was Cthulhu. Don't you know? It's a Star sure. Wars canon now. I mean, great. Why was What was I, Cthulhu's long-term plan? I don't know. It makes that makes no sense. The whole thing, yeah, like it's a giant entity. But why are all these? Why are all giant entities idiots? Yeah, yeah, and and like there's more problems there if we're gonna talk about the the whole maw. The thing. whole maw, sure. So you're saying like, is that the maw? No, that's a sentient creature. And then they come up to the the gravity well. Yeah, and then Lando says, "That's the maw." First of all, how does he know? Because L3 specifically says ships go in there and never come out. Correct. So how did he know? How does anyone know what the mall actually is? I just trust Lando. He's got this. Yeah. So like, it, yeah, it's, I don't, there's no, there's no sense in that scene, in that whole um, sequence of scenes really, other than let's show this cool thing that we thought of. Right, because if you think about it, and maybe you caught this, this is an actual real question. I, um, why was the Imperial blockade there? So, as far as I understand, because they were... So, that coaxium that was mined in Kessel was being bought from the Pike Syndicate by the Empire to power their ships. Yes. And so them stealing the coaxium would have been somehow told to the Empire by whoever survived from the Pike Syndicate. And so they were trying to prevent them from stealing the coaxium. That's as far as I can tell. Well, I, I think you're half on it, but but you're willing to show me that Han Solo's flying, everybody look at Han Solo's flying. But you're not willing to dedicate five seconds to like some Explain. random alien messaging yeah. the Imperials. 
Like you, could, you couldn't do that for me? It could have been literally as the guy was being sort of pretzeled by Kira, he pressed a button, like a silent alarm. Yeah, just show and, me an alarm flashing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, so that's the thing. It's, it's, a, it's a stupid mixture of let me explain the things that are obvious to you Plus, let me not clarify important plot points for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, as I was saying, like, b before I cut you off and then you cut me off, I'm not, not cutting off. It's just that you wanted to ask your question. But, like, the one thing, the, this is this is the thing that really bothered me. And I know it's a stupid small thing. But, like, they're in the refining planet and Lando's looking at the Millennium Falcon and... um. Han comes in and hugs and like put his arm around his shoulders. And Lando says, I hate you. And he answers with, I know. Really? Yeah. Really? Did you really need to do that? Because the beauty of this thing is that Harrison Ford like improvised that line. Yeah. Right? And and it was like, this is, you know, the actor showing that he understands the character. And I was like, okay, we have to establish a precedent. Why? Why do you have to do that? I feel like you're overthinking it 10%. But oh, for I, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, though. It, it does, it does, it's another thing that's an iconic line for Han Solo. And the fact that you have to mimic it, it's just like, eh, you, it, I don't, I, the question that I don't, can't answer is, is this a case of the movie's not good? And so the nostalgia ties back, tiebacks are bad, or is it a case that just that the nostalgic tiebacks are bad? And and we'll get to it probably with with if we cover or when we cover uh, Mandalorian because they do a lot of connecting. But but here in this movie, I couldn't figure out if it was the movie is bad and the tiebacks are bad, or just the tiebacks are bad because you have to have some connections to the character. But they seem so dumb in so many cases, or they were so like extra. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both of those things. Like, I think they they shoved the nostalgia factor slash tie in, like forced tie ins, to cover the fact that they didn't have a good way of doing that, like doing that those connections. Mm -hmm. So, like, one thing that I thought was interesting was. Like, for example, showing Beckett the way that he handled himself and the way that he, like, used the gun and all that stuff. And that clearly bleeds into the way that Han does it. That's that's actually a yes. good way of doing it. Like, oh, he got it from that, right? Yeah, I, and I don't honestly have a problem with him getting his gun from, from Beckett. Like, Same. I think the, the casualness yeah. of him just getting a gun and that gun working and why would you ever replace that gun completely makes sense for me. It's, yeah. it's the exact opposite of the dice, right? Yeah. And like the way that they introduce the Millennium Falcon is also like it's nonchalant, right? It's like, oh, this is the Millennium Falcon, great. And then you know that whole scene with him ejecting the the escape pod, and then we, us getting the you know iconic silhouette of of the ship. Hey, there, so there, there, just to clarify, there are no escape pods on the Millennium Falcon as it currently exists. I guess <laughs> if, you, if you go down, you go down. <laughs> yeah. But like I, I like that it was not like look, look, look. I'm going to you know eject this, and then it's going to look even cooler. Like there's nothing like that. It's just a a thing that happened, and then it became what it is. Yeah. So like, there are some good ideas for for tie-ins. Like when 
he's piloting the ship and then Kira sitting beside him and he says, oh, we have to, you know, deflect or uh, reroute the energy to the, def the forward deflector shields. And she goes, yep, yes, we have to. And then Chewie goes in and does the thing and they do the conversation like that, how old yep. he is and he looks great. And that's a good joke, right? I, I think in general, all the Chewbacca not knowing what Chewbacca says and Han being able to answer him. That's all actually, most of it's really, it is funny. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's not like laugh out loud, bust your gut funny, but it's probably the funniest moments in the movie yeah. is that connection back and forth. And him sitting on the chair beside Han and you getting a quick Star Wars theme, like, like the main theme yeah. playing, that was like chef's kiss, right? Like very nicely done. And if the movie had the same tone throughout, it would have been a much better movie. Yeah, I think I think they, they as much as they hit that one there, they missed a bunch of other ones. They missed by, most of by them. the same amount. Say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So so okay. I know. I think we've talked previously, you and I, about what we might score this movie. Um. And I think we need to make sure that that right now, I'm sure our our listeners are going to be like, it's a two and a one. <laughs> um, and. And I, I want to step back from that because it's not as bad as that. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about some of the interesting things about the movie. I really enjoyed looking at Corellia, seeing that sort of as, because if you think about it, it was done before the Mandalorian. And so a lot of what can a planet with just the city look like comes from here. And it looks, looks pretty good. It's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy the, the speeder like scene, like chasing on the speeders and stuff. I thought it was really cool. Um, and one of the other things I really enjoyed, and I, I really want more of this, is when he goes to war on the first planet, I want to know what's going on with that war on that planet. Like, I want to know, I want a, like a mini eight episode arc of like a soldier of a soldier on like both sides or either sides, like Band of Brothers. What is happening on this planet? Yeah, that whole that whole uh, part of the movie with, you know, and it goes three years later and it like from that until him leaving with Beckett's crew. That's all great, actually. Right? Yeah. The 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 way Beckett is introduced even is one of the one of one of the very good things in this movie with, you know, this so it's such a mess and fighting. Yeah. And it's very war, very real warlike situation where it's, you know, this, you know, um crew of like smugglers take advantage of a situation where Oh yeah nobody's sure who's who and they just steal some uniforms or hey hey now i'm a captain that whole thing is yeah, great I, I enjoyed that that whole little sequence of like who's in charge here and like you are a captain and his, his buddies laugh at him uh, and mm -hmm. i think that's really really funny i think that was really well done yeah and and <clears throat> i agree i would like i don't know if i want to see a miniseries that long but like i would like to see like a web series maybe of what the hell's going on there and why are they fighting and who are the sides? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I really even liked like the little advertising for the empire, like join the empire and Curly. I thought that was a nice touch. It gave it, it, yeah. They really understood the sort of, um, you know, Nazi influence of the oh, yeah. and stuff and really used it well and effectively in that. So they did a good job there. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not as much as an advertisement as it is propaganda in the old sort of sense yeah, of the word. Exactly. Like mean something, do something with your life, join the empire. Like, yeah. And even yeah. the sort of like old timey undertones of the way that the, the sound was like very mm -hmm. sort of like dingy and not really polished. It was really good. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. 
I, I also really liked the fact that Han... See, this is, this is a, a good an example of how the movie does something well. When he says, oh, so this is a Karelian YT-1300. And, and Lando says, oh, you know your stuff. Yeah, my dad used to be, build these. And he just it's just a touch on, oh, my dad was a, a shipbuilder and I was super interested as a kid in ships. That's why I know so much and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it doesn't over-explain. It's something we have alluded to in the past, like the John Wick coin thing. Yes. It's the same thing. It's just an interesting touch that doesn't need to be expanded on. It's not expanded on and it's great. Yeah. I think, and I think that's like this is a bigger point than just Star Wars. I think it's why it's so hard to do a prequel that ties directly to your TV show, movie, whatever. If you do a prequel where you can pretty much do whatever you want, or your, your job's easy, and we're actually going to probably talk about that one, <laughs> that idea when we get to uh, Rogue Squadron, because their their ties are, it's a lot easier because they can kill a bunch of people and no one will question it. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that that makes a connection easier to the movies because you don't have to worry about it. Whereas here, they worry too much about it, and they did too much for no reason. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that they were able to hold themselves back in certain situations, but for the most part, they do what you said, right? They just they try. It's it's it goes an extra step that makes things weird. I guess is a way to put it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and also like just something to be said. I think most of the action scenes and not all of the action scenes are actually pretty great. The fight on top of the train is great. Yep. Um, it's a little contrived, the whole, you know, oh, Chewbacca's going to die when he's going to hit that rock. Come on, we know he's not, right? It's a little bit... Yeah. I do enjoy the fact that the train rotated on its axis Same. to, like, travel. Yeah. Like, that was a cool touch. Yeah. Um, and the whole, like, the fighting at the end, like I said, was pretty cool with, like, Han trying to do something against someone who's clearly better trained in a martial art yep. and getting fucked. Like that's, that's all nice. That's the kind of thing you want to see in an early, like, you know, Han's a badass, but like, how did he get there? That's the kind of thing where he would say, okay, I need to not get close to people. That, that yeah. scene would have taught him that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, I think and this is another thing I didn't know. And I, I noticed obviously at the end of the movie, it, this movie was written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, John Kasdan. Yeah. And I was like, this is surprising to me for a number of reasons. The main one being, how come Lawrence Kasdan can write Empire Strikes Back and then he goes write this? Like, come on. Right? He, I don't know. He, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Also, something I don't want to forget to mention here. Probably one of my least favorite things in the whole movie. The reason why he got his last name oh i don't have people i'm all alone oh han solo ha 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 fucking kill me fucking kill me now i hate that so much i i go back and forth on it um i see what they're trying to do there you do please explain because i don't they're trying to make a lazy joke oh so i did see it okay well i mean i think it's maybe a lazy joke but it's also like like it's like um What's the right terminology here? It's like a poke at how he's actually like his name. His name represents his like life state, not just like right at that moment, but just in general, he's kind of been solo. And I, I know he's always had Chewbacca, but it's just like the way they've always positioned Han Solo is he's like, he has his best buddy, but his best buddy doesn't talk. Right. So it's like, he's kind of alone, even though he has like 
that reliable person with him. Yeah, but is that why his last name is Solo? Like, come on. Well, I, I, and that's the thing, right? Like, his last name did not need to be a thing. Yeah, could have just been Solo. He's just Han Solo. His mom and dad were Sarah and William John. Solo. Yeah, John Solo. Sure, whatever. Like, it didn't have to matter. And that's one of those things where they kind of, they kind of just again, I think they missed the mark by making it something more than it needed to be. Yeah. Um. So we're we're over our normal forty-five minute cap and. And if we want to wrap this up, we did promise everybody that we would um, give our score and our final remarks. So um, why don't you go first? So to me, and let me clarify quickly what, like the way that I'm grading this, it's sort of a, you know, people look at it. And I think you talked about this in the previous episode about how, you know, the one to 10 thing is sort of a, people don't, don't like five should be, you know, neither good nor bad. And that's not how people use it. And I think, I think that's sort of a logarithmic scale Sure. in, in that, like the distance between like an eight and a nine is, is bigger than the distance between like a six and a seven. And so with that in oh, mind, for, like, sorry, just to be clear for you or for people, for me, for me, for me. Okay. Cause um, that scale is stupid, but we don't, we can do that in another podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like the, the reason I, I'm I'm clarifying this is like going with your sort of idea that seven is uh, I don't agree with it being a coward's vote, but it's seven is like neutral. That's what a coward would say. But continue. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna give it a seven. Don't worry. Uh, so like assuming that seven would be this was like okay. I don't regret watching it, but I wouldn't watch it again. My grade for this movie would be a five. And and how many degrees of regret does is it from five to seven? So, if a seven is uh, neutral, six is like, yeah, this is not that great. Um, maybe don't watch it if someone's asking me. A five would be, this is not that great, and also they fucked up things that I already liked about the story while not improving it in any meaningful way. That's that's really the the reason why I'm giving this a five is it's not a good movie on its own. And then it becomes worse when you realize that this is trying to clarify the past of a beloved character in a way that is bad or like fumbled at the very least. Right. It's like I said in the beginning, I think this would have been a much better, like Han Solo's backstory or like prequel with a much better, would have been much better as a series, even a mini series, where his actual past in Corellia would be flashbacks or maybe one flashback episode where it doesn't clarify too much. And then we see what happens with him before the first movie, but after he has he's already a smuggler, I think that would have been a much better story to tell. And so that's what contributes for me to drop it another point. Okay. What about you? Um yeah, my scale is a little bit simpler than yours. I understand that you all are cowards and you'll use seven. So, but I still want to make sure you understand my rating. So I'll pick one to ten and just never use seven. Um, yeah, and my but my scale is crazy. You know, continue. Well, I mean, you still understand a six can mean the same as it does for you. Just know that I will have a definite opinion. Seven is the land of no opinion, and you didn't come here for no opinion. Fair. You came That's here fair. to know your opinion is wrong. Yeah. Um, so in that in that vein, 
you know, I've gone back and forth on it. I would give it a six. I liked some of the overarching Star Wars beats. I like seeing more of the universe and seeing this, the, the canon, um, the worlds visually increased. You know, as much as the books help, it's nice to see how they actually visualize things and being able to see them on screen, like the seeing Corellia, um, seeing different ships. I really appreciated the different design on the yacht itself, right? Like, thank you. Ships don't have to be things that could fly in the atmosphere because there's no atmosphere in space. You can fly a sword through space if you'd like to. Um, and that, so really, that yacht almost looks like a Bewing to some extent. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that was really well done. I think those things were fun. And I just think that this, if you were to chop the connections to Han Solo and just make this a story about a generic heist, it would have been a good movie, but because you forced these connections and you forced Han Solo being the good guy, it sucks. So this is a, going to be a weird question because it's hard. It's going to be hard for you to kind of wrap your, your rating system around this. But if this was not a, so like take all of the Han Solo um, connections in it, just, just say it's a star Wars story about some other person. Mm -hmm. Would that be an eight for you? A Star Wars story about some other person? Yeah. Sure. Because it's very mired in Star Wars still. Like, there's no going away from it. But if it wasn't Han Solo, if it was, you know, John Duo, the other smuggler. Um, yeah. I still think it would be a six. Mm, interesting. Because um, the place where it struggles, and this, co this combines into the Han Solo struggles, is... That whole third act didn't need to have it happen. Yeah. If if the thing is, uh, these guys need to pull off this heist because they owe this guy this this money, aka I believe it was Ocean's Twelve. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much thing. very much so. Yes. Um, they wouldn't have to do this job, but just end it when they they're successful and they get the job done and they were able to dump the coaxium off in time. You're done. They pay off the guy and they're free men out to find a new job. That's like an eight or a nine movie. Because if you remove all the connections, the force connections to Han Solo, and you remove all that end of that story, the really only thing that might be weak is the two characters like love interest. But that doesn't, that wasn't enough to soil the movie in like, you know, po multiple points way. Honestly, you know what? Just thinking about it as you were talking, you know what would have pushed that movie up as well? Like beyond not having the stupid connections. Even if this was a Han Solo movie without all of that idiot, like idiotic sort of connections that didn't need to happen, if they had done what you said, stop the movie after they're successful, right? Yeah. But kill off Kira. Sure. And that's what causes Han to be sort of this quote unquote solo. Like he's, you know, lost the love of his life and now until Leia, obviously. And now he's this sort of jaded person who. Right, that would have been much better, I think, as like a cut off the story there instead of having that stupid third act. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Like if you add that bit, yeah, because the only other two questions I have, and and one ties into this. The question I have is why does Han Solo care so much about those dice if the dice are this thing he gave this woman who backstabbed him multiple times? Yeah, and uh, equally as important, what the hell does coaxium cost? He got one file that was 800 credits and he got another file that was 10,000 credits. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I didn't think of that. <laughs> hell, man. And then he did did some quick math. It was like sixty million credits in Coaxium when he delivered. That doesn't like that doesn't track. Like, Not does it lose value? Does it lose value because there's a lot of it together? I don't understand. <laughs> and then, and then it's like the vials they're carrying off. Like it's not like you, like the, the amount you came clearly got compressed into a much smaller concentrated amount. Yeah. But, but like, how do how is it you have like one vial? It's ten thousand. But based on if that one vial is ten thousand, how many other one vials of that do I need to have to get to six? What is it? Sixty million. Like, Sixty million. Yeah. Guys, I know this is really nerdland stuff, but you could just try to make it plausible. Or don't use numbers for fuck's sakes. Leave yeah. it. Make it the coin from John Wick again. You, you, yeah. John Wick does this exactly well, and this is, we got to stop because we're getting to an hour. But this is exactly what it is. The coin from John Wick. We don't know what the value of it is. We know it cleans up bodies, but we don't know how many. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a cleaning service, but we don't understand the, the monetary value, right. which is and great. It's like, yeah. And it, it buys you a drink, but then it also buys you a night at the hotel and buys you other, you know, buys you a service. hitman to kill your, you know, someone yeah. who's slighted you. Yeah. And, and like, so we don't know like what a coin's actually worth. Right. And that's perfect. Yeah. And they could have done this here. It could have been like, wow, this coaxium is enough to buy us a ship. Right. And that's mm -hmm. like, all right, I don't know how much ships cost, so cool. Yeah, yeah. And and this is going to be enough coaxium for us to bribe our way into the port. Sure. Great. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. it's, it's a commodity. It's not, it doesn't have to have value. It's like something that you're bartering yeah. the, the, for the, something the lady, else. The lady at the uh, spaceport should have known how much that was by looking at it. She didn't need some street urchin to tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Well, I think we've dissected this all the way to hell and back, and I do believe this is all the time we have for today. Do you have any parting shots, Mart? Matt? You, I always call you Mort for whatever reason. I mean, that do you have any out. parting shots, Mort? Yeah. Um, no, I think I'm good. I, I really appreciated getting into this in more depth, and it still seems like we could have talked for another hour. But listen, I think you got you finally are going to understand how much how wrong you're wrong, how wrong yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're finally doing our job of, you know, really showcasing how wrong you are about. Yeah. yeah. So I think with that said, um, my name is Luciano and I approve this message. I don't know what I just said that, but I just did. Uh, cool. If... I'm, I'm, I'm mad or mort. I don't know anymore. <laughs> you don't know any mort? No, I don't yeah. know any mort. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to contact us, and try to defend yourself, um, still knowing how wrong you are, you may uh, email us at yourwrongcast at gmail.com. Uh, good luck spelling your. I hope you you can, and uh, we can have a nice conversation. Um, but yeah, hopefully this is going to be a good new way of, for us to dissect things. But until next time, I'm Luciano. I'm Matt. Wow, that took a long time. And uh, remember that you're entitled to your opinions as long as you're cognizant of the fact that they will always and forever be wrong. And we will see you next week.